0: Hey, what's going on, everybody? Psycho and Fanatic podcast today. It's a special edition podcast. Main man, Jay Jordan, is in Iowa. Jay, how often do you get to Iowa? This is my first time in seven years. First time in seven years. So we're sitting at my kitchen table. Best place in the world. Yeah, you know, put this little microphone up there for you. I speak so quietly. There you go. Uh, so... I- when I can hear myself, it's yeah. worse. Yeah, so. well, you're here, It's the, and it's good. we got a special edition uh, today, and then we're actually going to record a second podcast, all on Iowa State football, and that'll be posting sometime next week. Uh, sponsoring today's podcast are friends at Carl Chevrolet. I don't have their um, June talking points yet, but they're always having deals. Get on out there to The Rock and Ankeny. You can head over to Carl Chevrolet Stewart. Maybe you're one of our Western Iowa listeners. Don't want to drive all the way to Ankeny. They're a uh, longtime supporter of what we do at Cyclone Fanatic. Also, hey, the Cyclone Fanatic store, go to slash Cyclone Fanatic. And we're, we're doing a 50% off sale on two of our most popular shirts the Net Collector shirt that's celebrating all the Big 12 tournament championships $10. That's it. Come on. And then the uh, R linebacker throws better than your quarterback shirt in honor of the great Joel Lanning. That one is uh, for sale as well for only $10. And if you like what we do, we ask you to consider donating to the Cyclone Fanatic Patreon page. You can find the links on CycloneFanatic.com. Everything that we uh, get from that, we throw back into the website. If it's, um, well... Jay, did you know that we're creating an app? I did. Yeah. The app will be live here in the month of June.
1: Will that create for nice, easy Patreon
0: uh, donations? Probably. It'll probably be featured in some capacity. Good. Folks should give to Patreon just to um, compensate you for having to put up with my crap. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, what brings you to Central Iowa?
1: Uh, Came up here, uh, Saturday Night Lights camp for iowa state is on saturday night uh i'm gonna observe and watch that and i have a son who'll be participating which i'm very proud of and happy that he wanted to come and uh see where daddy rolled around for a while that's cool and uh so it's a great opportunity to come up here and see you guys as well
0: had some good bonding time in the car
1: (laughs) we did we did driving from dallas it was a a long drive but a good drive um he's just getting to permanent level so we got some uh driving practice on nice that's so great. You have to be twice as observant as a parent in the passenger seat than you do
0: when you're driving. <laughs> it seems, yeah, I don't even want to imagine. It's uh, My daughter can barely walk, though, so I can't even imagine her driving at this point. Well, when you get to that
1: point, you remember the days when they could barely walk, and you can't believe you're sitting there. But you're, uh, <laughs> I'm thankful because
0: soon then I won't have to drive. You can cart me around. We'll do a couple podcasts here. Uh, the first one I wanted to do, the you know, the preseason magazines are out Um you kind of gave us your preseason magazine yeah. is how I look at it last week with your, your pre-summer Big 12 rankings, and they're very concise. I mean, even you gave best and worst-case scenarios for all these teams, and I thought we could go through that and kind of just analyze team by team. Okay. And then the second podcast, really focus in on Iowa State because clearly that's what our listenership is is super into. And I think that you and I can come at it from a couple of different perspectives, and, and I ask for some questions from fans. So we'll do that. And uh, if you all are listening, that will be posted sometime next week. I'm going to be in um, – I'm actually going to be in Las Vegas next week. So it will be good to have some content spaced out so those guys don't have to um, grind too hard. But let's we'll, we'll start at the bottom of the league, and, and that's with Kansas. What, where, how do you view less Miles? In the Big 12. How's this going to go down?
1: Well, it was a long time ago, but he was successful before. Yeah. I mean, he was pre-Mike Gundy, right? Yes. He was right before Mike Gundy. And Le- uh, Leagues changed a lot. Leagues changed a lot, but, but Mike took over a program that was uh, elevated because of Les's activity. So, how's it go this time? He got fired from LSU because he was not innovative on offense. And LSU felt that they never had a quarterback. They needed to do more. So they they bring Orgeron in and uh, he grabs Matt Canada and some others to try to ramp up that offense. So he comes to an offensive league more so than the one that he left. Um, I think he will have learned from that. But I think more than anything, Les Miles is a stabilizer. Yeah, and that That's a good program point. needs nothing more than stabilization. I think he can recruit, um, and he will recruit better. Um, there's a cap on that at Kansas, but but he'll recruit better. But more than that, he'll create a stable offense, a stable defense, and a program. And he knows about running a program. And I think that'll be a benefit for Kansas.
0: Part of me thinks, too, that the guy who he's replacing, what, what was it, Beatty. Beatty. He wasn't as bad as his record indicates. I think that, um, I don't know about his X's and O's, and I'm not even going to try and do that, but I I know about, like, recruiting, Mm -hmm. and I know about, um, like, retention of players. Mm -hmm. And I actually think that, you know, when you look at, like, what he was being paid, and you look at how he Mm recruited, I feel like they hired him knowing that they were going to fire him, Mm -hmm. to because that program, like, scholarship-wise, was so bad after the previous couple of regimes that they needed a guy who... (laughs) was kind of their, like, sacrificial lamb. And I felt like that was Beatty. Yeah. You know, and now he's got it to a point where, you know, Miles still has a lot of work to do. Mm-hmm. But it's not a situation where it's completely unattainable now. Does that make sense? It does. And, and Beatty was
1: – he was well regarded in the coaching circles when he was hired at Kansas as an assistant at a and M. I I heard his name fairly often. Well, in and the, the Texas circles. high
0: schools really like him.
1: Exactly. Uh, he found, I think, a harder job recruiting than what he expected, um, which created some of the instability. But he wasn't that bad. You're right. They made strides. Kansas was not a... I mean, they got the their brains beat in a few times uh, two years ago, but they were not a road stop defensively. Yeah. Uh, or, I mean, they, they were... They were solid. They had Daniel Wise. They had Joe Denine, they, they had some pro players that were developed out of there. And then they he gets Tony Hall, the assistant coach out of Louisiana, and they start bringing in some four-star guys, surprisingly, out of Louisiana in this last class. Unfortunately, they're true freshmen, and they didn't yeah. get to realize that. But that's another thing about Miles. He's got Puka Williams. Now mm-hmm. He's had some legal trouble, so we'll see. Um, but I suspect at Kansas he'll be all right. He'll play. <laughs> Uh, they got (laughs) uh, valid right they got a they've got a talented defensive secondary they've got some some losses but but Beatty had a case to say injuries turnover that type of stuff I've not really had a chance here let me work with these guys for another couple years and see where we get I think he probably would have done okay but um, I hope it's not a, a blight on his coaching career so I think he's an analyst down with Herman in Texas right now yeah for this
0: season that'll be good for him
1: but but yeah he started the stabilization process i think miles takes it to a second level and i don't know if they get back to mangino type uh levels but but even before that back in my day glenn mason was a solid coach at kansas and they won a lot of games and were a tough out in the middle of the conference that's obtainable for a less miles
0: you had kansas state at ninth in the conference and this is where we're going to get into a really what mm-hmm. I think is interesting with all these new coaches mm-hmm. in the league, we've got the FCS powerhouse, Chris Kleiman. Mm-hmm. Kleiman. I always want to say Kleiman. It's yeah, it's it's Um The last time we saw Bill Snyder leave, it was kind of a train wreck down there in Manhattan. How does it work this time? Um. That and let me ask a follow up to that too. Yeah, to think about like how does Kleiman's success at North Dakota State translate to Manhattan? That was my pause as I was, yeah. start there. Yeah, um,
1: obviously, he took over from a successful coach in Craig Bowl and uh, just continued it. He goes from what, what I find interesting, and I, I don't really know how to calculate it, I could be completely wrong with uh, popping it in the negative category. But he's moving from a program where he had the best athletes and the best program going to one that's historically got a lower tier that has to be elevated through development. And I think that's a challenge. Um, not just moving from one division to the other. Yeah. I don't know that that's necessarily a handicap. uh winning guy who can run a program can generally run a program. Uh, but I think the talent disparity and the, the way Kansas State – operated under snyder is different than the way he operated under north dakota state so everybody says he's the same guy he's basically bill snyder light correct culture wise perfect fit let's bring him down here maybe so but he's not got bill snyder's experience with building that long-term program and the plan that he came to kansas state with that's what was difficult about you know, bringing Ron Prince in, mm-hmm. was here's a guy who's going to do it his way, which is going to be a little bit different. He may have a different view. Maybe they've learned Kleiman got the job because he's going to do everything the Snyder way, but I don't think so. Isaiah Zuber just left. Mm-hmm. They've had some other defections. Uh, that's an indi- That's not unexpected with a new coach, but I think that's an indication that things
0: are different. He's going to have a hard time just in the sense of, and we've seen it here when Hoiberg leaves. Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, there's certain things that, like there's certain people that Prom can never win over, right? Because he's not Fred Hoiberg. And imagine what it's like when there's a statue of a guy out in front of the stadium, right? And your program has literally never won under anybody else. Like in the history of Kansas State football, they've never been successful under anybody not named Bill Snyder. Yeah. And that, so that's a challenge. And Bill Snyder will be in a box, I'm sure, at every home game, just
1: peering over you. Yeah. And that that'll loom large. I don't know. I, he may be fantastically successful, and I could be wrong here, slotting them at, at ninth. But I think there's a challenge uh, ahead of them, and he's going to need a year. He's going to need a year zero. Yeah, and I think this is year zero.
0: You have Texas Tech at eighth. I'm a big Matt Wells fan, and there's a reason for that. I've watched a lot of his games. I'm I'm friends with his brother Luke. Okay, who. Um, is on the staff. He was like a co-offensive coordinator. That's that's why I watched him because mm-hmm. I knew Luke and I was kind of cheering for him. And so I probably watched way too many Utah State games over the last three years mm-hmm. or so. Luke was on Paul Rhodes' staff. A lot okay. of fans might remember that. He was the tight ends coach under Paul Rhodes for a while. And then he, he left when Matt got this job to go and coach with his brother. He's on the staff at um, Texas Tech as well. I liked this higher. I actually thought at the time, and a lot has happened with Cliff Kingsbury since, I actually thought at the time this will be addition by subtraction only in the sense I feel like Cliff, I said it at the time, because I, I, we're around the same age, I'm like, he's too young for this. Mm-hmm. Like, that's just, that's too, I have a hard time managing a staff of like four. Right and And you know, and I was his age, I'm like, I cannot imagine having eighty five scholarships, hundred and fifteen mm-hmm. young men being in charge of that. I think Cliff did a lot of learning on the job, and it's why I think he may not be a total failure in the n f l right, but it was also at the point where the had that program maxed out under him. I don't really know. So I thought at the time like bringing in Matt Wells would be really interesting. He is a guy who has some big 12 ties. He's from Oklahoma. He understands the league. Mm-hmm. I'm intrigued by this one. The The key is here, Texas Tech fans want their football played in a specific way. Mm-hmm. Can he do that? Can he win them over? And what does that look like? Well, if you've
1: watched a lot of Utah State, then then you know – Their offense doesn't look a whole lot different than what Tex does. Um, They had Jordan Love, who will be a great quarterback this year and uh, really propelled them last year. He's fantastic. He's a really good player. Um, Pocket passer, a lot of quick stuff. A lot of – he likes uh, (laughs) – don't take this too much as a criticism of Iowa State, but but some of what Iowa State tries to do with their matchups and moving inside and out with our short screens – uh, throwing to the wide out and then mm-hmm. throwing deep and stuff. That's exactly what Mo, Matt Wells did. And they did it way better than we've ever, ever mm-hmm. executed it at Utah State. I don't think it's going to look a whole lot different. It's uh, um, very similar to, to what they've done and the personnel won't have to change a great deal. Uh, where Matt Wells is a significant upgrade is defensively and his defensive yeah. coordinator. And he's a tough guy. He has tough programs that are historically difficult to play against and that's a little bit different than what what tech is used to what that requires is a culture change what that requires is a different requires is a different mentality among the body of your team similar to the challenge that Matt Campbell faced when he got here he had to change the way Iowa State thought about Iowa State yeah and you're not going to fully change the way Texas Tech thinks about itself but on the team you can think about you can change the way they think about the way that they play and who they are. They're going to score a lot of points, but they're going to stop you too. And if things go a little bit wrong, they're still going to be in the game. That's what I think Matt Wells brings there. I just think similar to Chris Kleiman, it's going to take a year zero to start to put his people there and change All, all spring. I mean, I live in Texas, so I hear a lot of tech stuff, know some high level tech folks and I'm not purporting that I've got inside information on it, but Uh, Every story, everything you read, you hear quotes from Wells talking about changing the culture. And um, anytime you hear that, there's going to be a bit of regression before you move forward to get everybody bought in.
0: Cliff's deal is so fascinating. You get fired at Tech, your alma mater, where you're worshipped. Generally, you would think that, okay, go back to being a quarterback's coach for a few years and he lands in the NFL. It is a fascinating deal yeah this coaching deal I don't know that anybody in Arizona knows what they're
1: doing from a management standpoint Uh,
0: I just thought like if if he would if he would have gotten paired with like a Wade Phillips like McVay did yeah then I could see this working I just I I have grave fears about when when he got that job I was on live radio when it happened and everybody's like "All right, react you're the big 12 guy you know him (laughs) And my response was, well, I want to see what's around him. Yeah. Because I think that a lot of guys could have been – I mean, if you were to put Leach in McVay's spot, if you were to put any uh, – um, Lincoln Riley and any of these offensive guys, right? When Wade Phillips and you have those free agents coming into that spot, like to me, like he right. was set up – I'm not saying – I'm not talking down on him as a coach, but I thought he was set up to win right away. Right. And if, if they could do that with Cliff, like, I think if you would have plugged Cliff into the Rams, they still would have been good. However, like, I just don't see that setup around him in Arizona at this point. I mean, they're they're, they're relying on a
1: lot of rookies, first of all, at the skill positions. I mean, I don't want to get into analyzing the Cardinals necessarily. No, I just,
0: the Cliff thing is fascinating. But,
1: but Cliff is interesting study to me because what what failure had Cliff had before Texas Tech as the head coach? No, um, nothing. I mean I guess he kinda washed out in the NFL, but he washed right into a pretty solid coaching track. He's Ends coaching up...
0: Heisman trophy winners and Bingo.
1: Yeah. So so what had Cliff done that had failed? And I think that once he got to tech and he had some of that adversity, making that adjustment, understanding what to do, uh on that, maybe being humble enough to do it, had an effect. And I think it was hard for him to overcome yeah those setbacks and and it wasn't necessarily that he was a complete failure but i mean he had pat mahomes right yeah And what they win five games something like that okay and his, his last year in college and um then he had to retool his defense got better he stuck with david gibbs which was interesting because he was encouraged to let him go yeah um and he let the last guy go after a year but he stuck with gibbs and they got better but um I think he's a it's all going to depend on how he deals with the adversity. They're not going to be good this year. No. They they might not be good the next year, but they did get some pieces. And is he can he move from kind of an egocentric offensive brilliance guy to a manager of an entire team? And that includes defense. He doesn't have it's to a really run tough the defense place to learn. Yeah, but but <laughs> yeah, going to the NFL is a really tough place to learn but what they're banking on i think feel free to disagree with me but they're banking on his offense being overwhelming
0: no i totally agree i do.
1: i will never be convinced that that's the way you win football games but some teams I, do I just
0: with the nfl man i i have a hard time you know I love my Big 12 guys. Mm-hmm. I love Mahomes. Yeah, I love Baker. I hope Kyler goes in there and kicks butt. I'm rooting for <laughs> Cliff. Sorry, that's my dog, <laughs> Dirks. We're doing this at my kitchen table today. We got a uh, we got David Johnson from You and I down yeah. there too. I just I'm rooting for those guys. There's just and and I. I I really respect the evolution of football in the NFL, offensive football, because I've been a believer in that style of football for a long time. But I also just think, like, there's so many smart people. Like, it's going to get – like, we see this in the NFL all the time where these things get really trendy, and then there's always a setback. Mm -hmm. It's got to happen here, like, at some point. Did you read the blog that the Patriots guy wrote about how John Haycock is, like, changing – Defensive football?
1: Yeah, I follow Mark
0: Schofield. He's
1: really a smart guy. He's a former lawyer. Oh, okay. All right. He and I uh, have something in common.
0: But my point to this is, like, there's going to be a John Haycock moment in the NFL. Mm -hmm. I don't think this is like the Wildcat. Like, remember, like, when the Wildcat was a big deal and we're all like, this is just a fad, everybody's going to figure it out. Right. This is well beyond that. Like, these are good players. I just, like, I'm, I'm very hesitant to go all in on RPO, like all this stuff that we're seeing right now mm-hmm. in the National Football League. You know, I wrote long an term. I'm going to toot
1: my own horn because I'm so arrogant. But no. <laughs> You're not arrogant. <laughs> toot your own horn. No, probably, uh, gosh, it's probably three years ago now. I wrote an article when I was writing for Land Grant Gauntlet uh, about the RPO, just kind of what is it and how has yeah. it evolved. And the point of the RPO was that it's old football in a new package. Yeah because it's nothing more than triple option football yeah all we've done is take a fullback out and we've added a receiver mm-hmm. all it is we've added a pass element and made showed some examples and showed some quadruple option uh that mike norvell runs over at memphis uh, that's your boy yeah i like mike norvell yeah <laughs> he might have, you know alex kuhn and yeah Gabe. oh yeah. So, yeah yeah
0: Uh, I did a big podcast with him before the Liberty Bowl. Yeah,
1: yeah. And so Gabe was playing, you know, in that game and stuff. So there have been some statements lately, interestingly, about the inside of his program. But just as a pure X and O coach, I think Norvell's top of the line. Yeah, he's pretty good. But – Uh, Regardless, I showed a few of those plays uh, and that type of innovation. Obviously, Lincoln Riley's one of the best. Uh, Lane Kiffin is a great RPO mind. But the reason I think that the RPO has a chance to stick and the concepts that are in offensive football right now more at the NFL level is uh, because it's old football. Yeah, no, I get what you're saying. There's there's not as much of a disparity or – The Wildcat was really old football, (laughs) repackaged. Yeah. Obviously outdated. And
0: And it was predictable. The RPO stuff is created to not be predictable. That's the point.
1: Yeah. Also, the utilization of multiple skill sets. So when you get position flexibility, we hear that term a lot. I use it a lot uh, in recruiting or player evaluation. What the RPO type game, and we're using a very – broad generalization for the things that they're doing what it does is it allows you to use skill sets uh in multiple ways matchups if you will but i can take a different type of receiver you know i can go take andy isabella Mm -hmm. and hakeem butler i've got two guys on opposite ends of the spectrum from a talent and a skill set perspective uh but i can use them both in this type of RPO game because I'm using different dynamics to get guys open. Mm. Um, yeah. And then from a quarterback standpoint, I don't have to have a guy who's completely mobile. I don't have a guy who's just a statue. But if I've got a guy who's a little bit of both. Who's
0: whether. your ideal quarterback in this this era of NFL? Fo- is it Mahomes? No, nah, it's Baker. Baker is because yeah. of the, his... Well, that, So that's fascinating too, like the Baker-Kyler thing. And everybody mm-hmm. goes, oh, Kyler... You know, he played for Lincoln Riley and he did all this. But, like, Baker crafted, like, four or five years into dominating those huddles. And, like, Mm -hmm. he he knows that system so well. Like, where I feel like Kyler was more just placed in a really good spot. I'm not saying he won't be good, but I I would take Baker over Kyler any day. I would, too. Uh,
1: But I I will tell you that I've spent a pretty significant amount of time um, going back and looking at Kyler because I didn't believe – so when Baker came out, Josh Allen and uh, some of the other quarterbacks were ranked people or the draft pundits <laughs> thought were better than Baker and Baker yeah. was on down. I had Baker as my number one guy. I was like, okay, why? Because my number one statistic for any quarterback is completion percentage.
0: Yeah. And then when I watched – an old Mike Leach deal right there. Right. Accuracy, but, you can't teach it. Right.
1: But, but a Mike Leach guy gets knocked because of his system – because he's making throws. We we talked about this in the Washington State game. How yep. many times is he yep. throwing the ball downfield, fitting it in, 20 yards down? He's throwing to wide open guys in wide open space. Great offensive philosophy. Uh, but for evaluation, for a quarterback to go to the pro level, it's not so great. Baker wasn't like that. Because people had a knock on him that he was a system guy, but if you watched where he threw the ball, the way he threw it over the linebackers in in front of the safeties, the way he threw to a running back coming out, which is a more difficult pass than what you think, hitting a running back coming out on a swing or uh, running up the seam, the way he drove the ball downfield, he made every throw, and he completed 70% of his balls. That's where Josh Allen never completed more than 56%. You don't, yeah, in in that league. Right, and they knocked it because all oh, his receivers couldn't catch it, but he didn't complete 56% because his because he had so many drops. He didn't complete 56% because he didn't throw the ball close to his receivers. Yeah. <laughs> There's a difference, and you don't get a lot better from college to pro in the accuracy department. You can get a stronger arm. You can understand the game. You can learn how to manipulate coverages and that stuff.
0: So you take Baker over Mahomes right now if you – Me?
1: Yeah. yeah. I, okay. I, know everybody loves. He's NFL MVP, so I'm wrong. Okay, when I say this, but uh, but
0: in the, he he went into a really good spot though. Yeah, like I, I mean, if Baker I also
1: lived ten miles from where Patrick played,
0: if Baker had a year to grow mm-hmm. under Andy Reid with that team, I mean, he probably could have been MVP too.
1: By the way, most innovative offensive mind in the
0: in the league, Andy Reid. Yeah, sorry, <laughs> not if, Cliff Kingsbury. With fit, like it's a. It's just so so big.
1: He fit. He still does some of the same things he did in college that I hated. I mean the reason Iowa State beat the dog mess out of him, uh, that year, that's surprising what was it, sixty six to ten. Okay, he was nicked up yeah. a little bit. But they did and the professor
0: Haycock, got on this baby. So before that game hey man John Haycock.
1: Yeah, so before that game I, I told somebody I said that was talking to me about it, and I said, uh I said, You watch, if you can get in patrick's face just enough okay he will throw off his back foot and he will throw up a 50 50 ball he will not give up on a play and he will throw a 50 50 ball somewhere near somebody and hope his guy makes a player it falls down watched him do it that whole year over and over and over again and sure enough haycock brings pressure off the edge uh with the corner blitz a few other creative blitz packages and patrick Mahomes is throwing off his back foot in the 50 50 coverage and he can't he gets inaccurate and threw a pick six to KCM and yep. uh, some other things in that game and they can never recover. Um, he does some of the same stuff in the pros. One of the reasons we love him is because he never gives up on a play. Yeah. Trusts his arm because it's great. Yeah. Uh, throwing to guys who can catch the ball better than what they could in college. And he did a little bit less of the fading back on his back foot and taking those risks, but there's still a little bit of that there. Yeah. And I'm going to be very curious this year if, um, and and obviously a coach like Andy Reid is going to see that, know that, make that adjustment which he did. And either that's going to come out of his game or that's going to come out as defenses adjust to what the way he plays. But that's anyway,
0: good analysis. That's that's away from our Big 12 rankings. Well, it's okay. <laughs> we were kind of talking Big 12. Yeah, leave it. Leave it to me to See so you've got a going big on on. a big mess in the middle of the Big 12.
1: Yeah, nobody likes that, even my son.
0: We've got a tie. You have a the, you've you've got West Virginia, Oklahoma State, TCU, Baylor, and Iowa State all kind of in one tier. Yeah, so let me explain that just real quick. Yeah, go for it. The whole point, and and I
1: am very guilty of this when when you, ever you read my writings, there's subtleties and assumptions that I make that I think are obvious, and then I don't explain because I've already written way too much. But uh, the explanation for that was I was trying to make the point. That these teams to me are indistinguishable, meaning that when I look at a road game, who would be favored in a road game or you know in a matchup between these teams I don't think those are seven point margins I mean I think these are plus three minus three yeah I'm,
0: I'm I'm with you
1: so so because they're in that jumble, maybe it seems like a cop out or uh, you know, pussyfooting around a little bit, not to pick one and say this guy's going to do more than the other. I think at various times in the season, each of these teams could win two or three games that they're not expected to, and I'll be four and five, five and four.
0: And barely that's pull where out. I'm at. It's <laughs> that's where I'm at with Iowa State right now. I could put them at 10 and two, but I could put them at seven and five just as easy. I put them 3A
1: because there's a consensus from others, which I generally don't care if I'm on the consensus or not, but they do have a returning quarterback. who's shown a dynamic ability, but more than that, they've got a defense and that and defense traditionally travels should be so, the best defense in the, league. should be the best defense in the league. And um, they've got a track record of being the best, one of the best defenses in the league. And if you're going to go on the road to a tough place like West Virginia, then you've got a chance to, to travel and stay close in that game. So, what was it, 20-16 to when they went there last time? Mm -hmm. They were close in that game because the defense rose up and stopped them them until the offense could get going. My question is, will the offense get going? We have some chances and we have some pieces. I'm not sure. Will we see enough inconsistency there that it doesn't complement our very consistent defense?
0: Will they they be better because Campbell's not going to be so consistent Content with just hanging the ball to 32 because he knows he's not going to fumble. Man, that is like a <clears> – <throat> loaded bomb, question. Bomb here. Yeah. How, how, I asked Campbell that I, I'm not a couple gonna... months ago, and he – I mean, he kind of you... like chuckled at me. Okay. But, but like I think that he – I think there's something to that when you reference the Oklahoma State game from last year and just how different the offense looked. Like they went in with a different game plan because they knew thirty two was out, and they didn't just rely on him.
1: You know what's interesting in that game in the first half of the Texas game is where did we try to run the ball?
0: Well, I mean, they would go to the outside, and yeah, it wasn't just thirty two. <laughs>
1: Completely different <than laughs> bouncing when around. was in the yeah, game, just, right, yeah,
0: absolutely. So thirty two. It
1: was a much more aggressive run, downhill running style. So thirty two got to the outside by running inside to the out when the offensive line was clicking. Yeah, which occurred second half kansas state occurred against west virginia his biggest games uh, but other than that rarely occurred uh where he could make that move but we didn't very often run him on i think everybody loves the play remember when he uh trucks a guy from iowa and gets the touchdown yeah yeah uh, a couple years ago okay so that play was uh you know, Park takes the snap, takes two option looks, and it's a quick pitch. Yeah. So your quarterback is getting the edge for you. Compost was really good at uh, at getting a guy hooked, and Montgomery's on the outside in space, where he's really good. By the way, um, never hardly went back to it the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. Only seen it a couple times now. I don't know why that difference was there. If it's if 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 it's an indication of what Campbell will do without Montgomery as a as a blanket, and I think Campbell's pretty self-aware. Do you? I mean, oh, you know yeah, he
0: absolutely more, is. Okay, you know him way better than I do. He is. So if he's self-aware at all, he knows that. And Oh, I think he absolutely knows that. Okay. And I think that he – because he's such a Belichick disciple too. And I, I wonder
1: I, – I revisited that stuff, and we've talked about that Oklahoma State game a lot. Yeah, uh, that's
0: the most important game to go back and watch from last year, yeah. in my opinion. And – I wonder if he just did not trust
1: David's speed and he trusted Lang and Conne to get outside more than he did David.
0: And I also wonder, like, David did a lot of things really well. Obviously, he's going to mm-hmm. have a long NFL career. Did David um, – how disciplined was he with hitting the correct holes?
1: Depended on the play that was called.
0: Yeah. Like did he trust his line enough Did it like there's that aspect of it too.
1: So if you go back and read kind of that Texas game analysis that I used as a microcosm for the, you know, that 10,000 word opus that I wrote. So somewhere buried in there, there's a sequence of plays where uh, I make the case for a quick hitting defined play. So like a, what we would see uh, David as an inside zone. So we've got zone blocking, which requires a little bit of patience. It's going to be a setup play. And David's going to have to choose a, choose a spot. He didn't miss holes on that very often. He would sometimes, but most of the time, one of our linemen was getting blown up and he had somebody, in his face, mm-hmm. he had no al- alternative, but to try to run with that style. But against Texas, we took one sequence and we ran just a straight, I'd call it a two, four. So two back to the four hole. We're going to, base block it it's a dive essentially and david hit that hole hard seven yards okay quick blocks i always advocated that because our offensive line struggles an offensive line that struggles is going to struggle more when they have to make a hold a block for three counts than they are when they have to hold the block for one and then the back's going to be passing them Mm -hmm. so it's a one one count block david gets through seven yards doesn't mean you would get seven yards every time but when he was called on and that was the play he was supposed to run, he could do it. Yeah. did it really well. Yeah. But when he's got discretion, did he slow foot a few things? Yeah. But if you watch that offensive line (laughs) and the offensive line play on why he made some of those cuts or had to make some of those cuts, he had remarkable vision. His peripheral vision was ridiculous. So if he's aiming at the two hole between the guard and center and over in the B gap and, and, uh, middle C gap. He's got a guy breaking off of a block. who's just tooled our tackle and is coming down on him. He could see that. Yeah. So sometimes instead of trying to escape two yards up the field where there's a linebacker and our center may be getting handled, he's seeing that pressure. He would stop back up, try to get away from, let that guy over pursue and mm-hmm. then grab two yards. It's kind of a next level vision thing. No, I get it. Yeah. Uh, as opposed to being undisciplined, but Und- understood you really have to understand the game and the player skill set to see that so that that'll be um and the struggle of the offensive line
0: watching that running game pattern <laughs> will be fascinating in week 1 I, I can't wait to see how they do that especially yeah, but, with tom manning being back
1: yeah and it's it's my firm opinion that that i think uh while i love the guys and the players uh you know johnny lang uh, sheldon crony canadian wangu they're position hold, or placeholders for Brees and Brock.
0: Yeah, no, I would agree with that too.
1: Once those two guys get up to speed later in the season, uh, they're going to run the show. They're different types of runners. The runner's more adept at what we saw against Oklahoma State, and I think uh, better at doing it.
0: We have Baylor at three B. Yeah, and that just aggravating. Well, (laughs) a little bit of a rivalry brewing after last year's game in Ames. That thing was, I think, even uglier than most fans even. Realized for sure that I and I actually think that that kind of went on like for a couple of weeks after behind the scenes, but maybe that you ought to have, get a few beers in me for that podcast. We'll, uh, but <laughs> we'll but they do that one in Wake really nice quarterback. I like Rule a lot as a coach, Um and it, it really is quite incredible that they're this relevant. I, I think just when you look at how everything went down there, he's playing a different type of football. Um He's he's done a really good job.
1: Yeah, I uh, I hate to admit it. Yeah, I I keep my Baylor feelings uh, private and not public and try to say as little as I can about them, so I'll do that here. (laughs) That's cool. Matt Rule's a good coach. He was was good before. There's a reason the NFL teams come knocking every year. Um, He may take that opportunity at some point. We can only hope. Uh, Their recruiting classes have been very solid. They're still young. Uh, There's still not a ton of depth what they do have is way better than it was two years ago the biggest question with them that downgrades them is i think Jalen hurd was uh just a jack of all trades that they utilized and bailed them out in a lot of games kept them competitive and won a couple games for them do they have somebody to do that this year they're going to rely on charlie brewer to do it at quarterback but if you look at brewers interception stats they're pretty high because he's 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 like a uh patrick mahomes and that he never gives up on a play he's fiery can he keep that under control? We saw him get kicked out of the game against us, right? Yeah, yeah. So does he keep that under control? If he's taking the next step, then Baylor's incredibly dangerous to every team in the league. Plus, they have, to the extent you can have an easy schedule in the Big 12, which I'm not sure you can, Baylor's is the easiest. They've got all the big boys Iowa State, Texas, Oklahoma, all at home.
0: Feels good hearing you say Iowa State and the big boys. TCU, you have it 3C really comes down to quarterback here. And I think it comes down to vision, too, with yes. what does what Gary Patterson want to be? I feel like yes. he's gotten a little bit. He's at a crossroads. Yeah. Like, is he want to be old school, Gary Patterson, yeah. or are we still going to move towards this new thing that they've been trying to do? That's
1: right. No, no they're, they're the most enigmatic team in the league because, um, I mean, they've won 9.8 games since the year 2000 per season. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. we trade a right That's elite. on for that, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, comes into a league from a group of five league, wins 10 games. No big deal. Like it never mattered. Mm -hmm. He's got a pattern. He knows what he's doing, but that feels off. So what they did when they had the big year and we get the upset two years ago in 2017, and they surprised that year, is they took a quarterback who had limitations, problems with consistency, and they limited him correctly brought him in to himself and then relied on a really dynamic run game. They still have the same runner mm-hmm. there this year. Really good. Derry Sanderson, um, Ola Juan Lee, uh, Bob's your uncle guy. Yeah. 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 He yeah. got arrested just a few weeks ago. Felony drug deal. So that's we'll a bad deal. Really bad deal, but they've got some talent coming up. Jalen Ragers, best receiver in the league, maybe best in the country. Really, really good player. Um, Got a kid named DeValence Hunt, uh, who's going to be a redshirt freshman. Really solid kid out of Texarkana. Um, great talent. But what does he want to be?
0: Because mm-hmm.
1: you'd have – man, they've got five top-level guys in their quarterback. It reminds me
0: a little bit of um, late less Miles at LSU type of crossroads deal. Where you're reaching. Yeah. You're like trying it, to
1: say, what's the magic formula yeah.
0: here? You just don't quite know – so, so this, what the goal is
1: and, and, and what's really, I would love to be a fly on the wall there because how do you get Max Duggan to make that commitment with Justin Rogers the year before? Maybe because Rogers was hurt. We haven't seen him full level, but, didn't Mac, but you also had Sean Robinson who yeah. was highly regarded.
0: The only thing I could think of is the max deal. Didn't his dad go down there and coach for a while? Okay. I don't know that. Yeah. His, the only reason I know this because I covered his dad in high school when, when he was at St. Albert's and they were winning all those championships with Jake Waters, okay, as yep. quarterback, I I actually called their championship games. Cool. Um, so I knew that's I knew Jim. Well, okay. His dad's name's Jim Duggan, by the way. Okay, Hacksaw, same thing. Really? Um, but he left Saint Albert. Or was a two by four. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, he left Saint Albert. Went down and coached in Texas for a few years. Okay. And for one reason or another, I think it was family oriented. They had to come back. Okay. And now he's at Lewis Central, which is the four A mm-hmm. program, and that's where. Max came out. So, I just wonder, like, if there's some sort of Gary Patterson old man connection. Yeah. Because I remember – I was, like you, very flabbergasted by that decision.
1: Well, he was hot. He was actually, you know, a warm to hot prospect for Iowa State and some others, and then all of a sudden it was gone and he was TCU.
0: Well, I mean, I do think that it got to a point, from what I understand on that recruitment, he liked Campbell. Campbell was in love with him. And it got down to a point where Iowa State stuck with him through the injury, and it sounded like he he was he kept stringing Iowa State on, hmm. and they had the opportunity to get Easton Dean, and they didn't they thought Easton Dean was going to blow up, and they wanted to get him, they wanted to lock him they down. had to make a decision yeah, and they basically told Max like by the way, I really like Easton Dean yeah. <laughs> They loved Max. Like, it wasn't yeah. like an Iowa State didn't love him. They were, he was like their priority A recruit for some time, but then you can only, at so that position. They, they cool on him. TCU's there. There's I guess. Connection. That's so. how I, I mean, it was but, an Easton Dean was there and you took him. But let's go a step further with them. Alex
1: Delton comes down there. Mm hmm. Why does he make that decision? And what about this? Bailey, is it Matthew Bailey? the kid? Out They've of, got like five quarterbacks. Ohio State? Yeah. Yeah. Baldwin? Yeah. There you go. So Matthew Baldwin out of Iowa State. So that's yeah, that's five guys in that room, and then they got a leftover, I think, uh, grad transfer or something from from last year. Six. They got this room. So he's got to decide. So I wonder, and I wrote it. I wonder, being the mad scientist Gary Patterson can be, if 2019 isn't just a let's see who's going to take this job. Yeah. And we get we go 6 and 6 again we're dangerous one time where we find our guy early they have the luxury Iowa State has this too they have the luxury of not playing a, a salty game until the middle of September so you got the first tune-up game by week yeah then you get into it and that's when they have Purdue and like Iowa State's got Iowa that's a lot of time in fall camp now that can get old and stale yeah it can be detrimental uh but that's a lot of time in fall camp that you can uh sort stuff out so maybe get one the thing i worry about with them though is is you got five guys who are alphas they're going to get loyalty from other people on the team yeah and so what if you've got five divisions on the team which could be a problem it can be a problem it's going to take somebody special to grab that job so i don't know if if they get it right tc is going to be great on defense they always are. They got Yeah, it's Patterson. Blacklocks back, so they lose the edge rushers, but they've got good rushers from the inside. Um they got excellent skill position. They're fast. They could be the TCU we're used to seeing at the top of the conference. They could also be a train wreck and be down there with Tech and Kansas State.
0: I personally like Oklahoma State a lot this year. The one yeah. thing I haven't done is I haven't done enough of analyzing of the schedules like you have. But I, I just when I look purely at the team, I feel like they have an upgrade at quarterback. It's it's Gundy, which which speaks for a lot. Um, Did you watch any Princeton? No, their new offensive coordinator. I've not no, but that you'll be enter, entertained. Okay, I, I like him. I haven't done that yet, but I do think that they have to be better on defense. Like, there's got to be a step forward, right?
1: <laughs> okay, so the whole state of Oklahoma is about can you get better on defense from being trash? Yeah. To uh, you know, can you be at least the the bedside trash instead of the kitchen trash? You know. Um, they have to be. Jim Knowles will be in the second year. He's known. He's a very solid defensive yeah, he's coordinator. Good, really good. They're, they're experienced in the secondary, but they lost everybody up front. So that's where I would tick Iowa State above them is experience at quarterback with Brock Purdy over Spencer Sanders. Maybe similar skill set, but uh, Purdy's got more experience. And the, our defensive front, best in the conference, there's absolute question mark. Do they have athletes? Yeah. Can you work around that and improve? Yes. But there's a possibility that you're going to struggle against the run again. And I think the way this league is moving, if you're going to struggle against the run, you're going to have a hard time winning games unless you're able to score 50 points. But it's Mike Gundy. He's really comfortable in that kind of game. Yeah. (laughs) And they've won 10 games winning those kind of games. So I agree with you. I think they've got to get better on defense. I think they will. And I think their offense will look far more consistent than it did last year. And you do that, you won seven games last year. You know, you'll win eight, nine, and if you get a break, you win ten, and then you're Oklahoma State again.
0: We're uh, we're running low on time. Here. Yeah, but, I, but but Neil Brown in Oklahoma or West Virginia, real quick. We I know that we agree that we both love this hire.
1: Great coach, most talent of the teams that got taken over. Um, best opportunity to stay at that 8-10 to win uh, threshold. Tough place to play. Uh, New quarterback. New quarterback, but Brown plays a more balanced game than what Holgerson did. Look, Holgerson was run the ball or throw it deep, and he only changed slightly for Will Greer. Uh, Neil Brown's going to be a lot like Matt Wells. They look a lot. When you watch Troy, when you watch Utah State, they play very similar. They sure do. And, uh, I think he'll have a more controlled game. They got really experienced offensive line, good running backs.
0: They have no receivers. Hmm. So, which could be problematic. That's new quarterback, no and receivers. They just and lost out on a Juco kid that picked Iowa State over them. That's right. Which would that, that also made that significant because it's, it's, it's addition for Iowa State, but you're also subtracting from one of your rivals. And isn't our new safeties coach from there? Yes.
1: Okay. And, uh, that matters too. Yeah. And, uh, but, but yeah, there there are enough challenges there that they float down to the bottom, uh, but there's plenty there on the upside. So every single team we just talked about there has an upside where you could see them being in the top three or top two of the conference and have a downside where you could see them in that 7 to 10 range. Yeah. And, and I don't know how to make that differentiation. Often I do. That's what I pride myself on. But I don't know how to do it this year.
0: Jalen Hurts at Oklahoma. I think we differ on this, don't we? Well – a little bit. I just, I, I have a lot of faith in Lincoln Riley. Mm-hmm. Like, I just so don't well. think, I don't think Lincoln Riley's going to ask him to be Kyler Murray or Baker. Like, I think that. Then are
1: you the ordinary Oklahoma? Yeah,
0: I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, for, for what it's worth, I have Texas winning the week two. Okay. I think I have Texas knocking on the door of the college football playoff. Okay. We'll learn a lot when they play LSU in week two. We will. Um, yeah. I, I'm not a huge like Jalen Hurts guy. I Just I have, I have more faith in Lincoln Riley. I think than than I do Jalen Hurts.
1: Yeah. So the little statistic statistic I put in there is in limited action last year, Hurts completed seventy two percent of his passes, which would be in line with Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray. But part of what makes you brilliant as a coach is when your quarterback completes seven out of ten balls. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Absolutely. It's easy to be brilliant. Um, the, the X factor here is what you were talking about a little bit with Patterson that we didn't go into a ton is, is can Lincoln Riley resist the temptation to try to fit Hertz into the same Mayfield Murray role and dial it back and say, okay, I've got the equivalent of Joe Mixon and Samaj P. Ryan. I've got Kenny Brooks and uh, Trey Sermon here. I've got a work in progress, but now I've got Jalen, to run the ball as well yeah yeah and what can he do there in the running game now jalen went to oklahoma because he does not want to be the running guy he wants to improve as a passer he'll do it but he doesn't want to be primary with it i wonder if they're just the same now if they're just a tick below and their defense comes a tick up they're the same team they still win 11 or 12 games um i don't know how much it hurts them but i'm going to be honest my really big, bold thing. I think Houston's a problem for them.
0: Mm. Yeah, Uh, well, that would make sense, though. Yeah. That's a good – that's a loaded – there's a reason Tom Herman waited around and took that job the way he did.
1: I think uh, going out to UCLA is going to be a lot different in year two with Chip Kelly. Um, That's a talented football team or has a lot of talented kids that need to get it together. Those are two really tough non-conference games. I think if one or both of those things go differently for them, I think they're going to have trouble and – I think there's eight and four with the cyclone upset in their season.
0: Mm. All right. My guy Tom Herman, Texas. Um, give me some odds of them making the college football playoff. What are what are what are the chances here?
1: Uh, I don't think a loss to LSU hurts them. Honestly, because I think LSU is going to be yeah pretty solid, but it's an early season loss. Um, uh, just like the Texas loss didn't. Preclude Oklahoma from uh, qualifying. I think they're pretty good. That if they are what we think they are, and they don't slip up, um, then I think there's pretty solid.
0: You know that I've there's going to be people listening to this though and be like, "Oh, Texas is always overhyped in the off season."
1: Oh, yeah. yeah, I, I'm chief on that train. Yeah, I
0: uh, just I, feel I, like this is
1: different though. I often tell the story when I went to SMU for law school, which is made up of a lot of graduates from Texas A&M and Texas, and it took me probably about three weeks on campus to kind of gauge the feel of who was who. And uh, the folks from Texas had a certain uh, black and gold type personality. Yeah. And the guys from AM had a certain uh, red and cardinal and gold type personality. I get and it. So yeah. I pushed my, my loyalty one day from the fan bases. So I've always been yeah. kind of an anti-Texas guy and yeah. fandom. But I'm not a big Herman fan either. I think he's fairly unimaginative. But I think what happened last year, somewhere around the Iowa State game, they figured out what his culture was supposed to be. And that Big Ten physicality, which paid major dividends against Georgia in the game, I think is something the rest of the league can't handle.
0: I think, too, just knowing Tom as well as I do, it would be really hard to be a quarterback under him. Mm -hmm. Just the way Tom's personality works. I feel like Ellinger's the perfect guy. Like he's, Tom can just totally bury him <laughs> verbally, physically, making him run, whatever. And Ellinger's the type who will, oh, yeah? You want me to do 100 push-ups? All right. And then he'll get up and flip off his coach. Yeah. Like, because he's just, that's just his mentality. And you know who loves that? The rest of the team. Yeah. Like, and Ellinger's a guy who they'll get behind. That's why I'm just so. I think that he'll be in New York. I do too. I do too.
1: And and that's the main reason I've got him where I've got him is because I think he's – Vince Young was transcendent, and look at what Texas did. Colt McCoy was really good, and look at what Texas did. When they get behind a talented quarterback like that, then all that talent that's underachieved for so long kind of starts to bubble up. And I kind of feel like this is the the year for that because of Ellinger. I just think he's – you watch him. the kid only threw five interceptions. He threw two against Maryland in their first game. He played 14 games. I mean, 40. I think it was 41 touchdowns to five interceptions. I mean, that's remarkable. You continue on that stretch. Yeah. And then you've got Colin Johnson, who I think is a Hacking Butler. Club.
0: Todd Orlando. Don't forget about him. Best defensive coordinator
1: in the league. Sorry, Professor.
0: And it it's a deal, too, where – I, I'm not. I'm, I'm with you on Herman and the offense and all that stuff. But man, when you've got Todd Orlando mm-hmm. taking care of the defense, it just frees Tom up to do what Tom does. And I got, uh, yeah. They, and they they lose some some pieces. They're talented. It's a little bit of a Todd McVay conversation here. Yeah. Or, no, who's the the Rams coach? Uh, Sean Sean McVay. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Look, you're just in a good spot here, and credit to him for hiring Todd Orlando and bringing him over like that.
1: Right, but we had a, a interesting um, off-the-record discussion just among the staff where we were talking about how much is Campbell's success dependent or attributable to, yeah, John Haycock and what he's done. With I think it's country.
0: significant. Okay,
1: you can don't you, you? Yeah, no, I agree. I think we were somewhere around
0: 67 percent or two thirds.
1: Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that.
0: No, that Cause shows you hired the right guy and you're letting them coach. And If you're a northern team in a southern
1: league, your defense should be nasty because you're going to get a two- or three-game weather advantage. And if a defense is nasty, that helps exacerbate that. Uh, perfect. I love that that's Iowa State's identity. But it's the same with Texas. Some of the success they've had or growing the program is because of what Todd Orlando has been able to do, which he's done everywhere he's been they pay him almost as much as Clemson pays Brent Venables. Yeah. And um, it it matters. So even retooling, I don't know that they're retooling that much. Uh, But if they've got an increased ability to win a shootout, then I think it's church. Good stuff. Appreciate it. Love talking about all the teams.
0: We'll We'll have another podcast next week that's just Iowa State. We're taking your questions. So stay tuned for that. Nothing hard, nothing difficult. Um, thanks to Jay, appreciate you, man. Appreciate being here and appreciate get home, your hospitality. Get home safely, and uh, they'll have a lot of podcasts. I'm sure next week. I'm not sure exactly what Jared has planned, but we'll figure it out before I uh, head to Las Vegas. Maybe I'll pop in with like a Las Vegas podcast. Probably not. That would be <laughs> interesting. No, I'm I'm really not going to be bad. I'm I'm going to be out there with which Osborne. hotel. Uh, I think the Cosmopolitan. Okay, cool. It's, dude, the Hotwire. I got $42 a night.
1: I know it. It's insane. I mean, to come up here, I got some, like, more than 50% type discounts on travel costs. It's crazy. It's really
0: cool. (laughs) Yeah. All right. uh, More podcasts next week. Later.